Section thirty seven of Great Men and Famous Women, Volume One. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, go to LibriVox.org. Recording by Mary Schneider. Great Men and Famous Women by Charles F. Horn. Albrecht von Wallenstein by Henry G. Hewlett. Fifteen eighty three to sixteen thirty four the declaration of the great founder of christianity that he came not to bring peace but a sword receives its completest justification in the history of europe during the sixteenth and seventeenth centuries ignorant of the constitution of the human mind and blind to the absurdity of attempting to enforce opinion the adherents of the old and of the reformed faith during these two hundred years scarcely sheathed their swords the offenders it is just to say were generally but by no means invariably the catholics and the retaliation of the protestants was seldom inferior in ferocity to the offence received the thirty years war was the bloodiest as happily it was the last scene in this great religious tragedy the greatest catholic leader of this period was wallenstein after a term of peace consequent on the diet of augsburg in fifteen fifty five which secured toleration to protestantism in germany persecution recommenced in fifteen seventy eight under the weak emperor rudolph II. his cousin ferdinand duke of styria a pupil of the jesuits was the most deadly foe of protestantism which had taken deepest root in bohemia and transylvania the incapacity and bigotry of the emperor at last provoked his subjects to bring about his deposition and in sixteen ten he was forced to abdicate in favor of his brother matthias he though himself tolerant unwisely committed the government to ferdinand whose tyranny in ordering the destruction of the protestant churches in bohemia led to the expulsion of his officers and the jesuits in may sixteen eighteen and the commencement of the thirty years war matthias died in the following year and ferdinand was elected emperor in sixteen nineteen the name of wallenstein first became prominent albrecht von waldstein as he was properly called was the third son of a bohemian baron of old family and was born in september fifteen eighty three as a boy he displayed signs of a singularly proud and independent temper and foreshadowed his bent by the delight which he took in the society of military men his family was protestant but having lost his parents when quite young he was educated by the wish of his guardians at the jesuit college of olmutz and soon changed his faith in italy where he next studied he made great advances in mathematics law languages and the delusive science of astrology in which he was a firm believer ever afterward on his return to germany he fought in the imperial army against the turks who invaded hungary he had considerable estates in bohemia which were increased by his marriage in sixteen o six with a rich moravian widow who died in sixteen fourteen and left him her property in the peaceful occupation of farming he spent several years and acquired great wealth by his skill and economy in sixteen seventeen he took part in a campaign against the republic of venice with which ferdinand had quarrelled and on the termination of the war in the same year was ennobled as count the lavish generosity of wallenstein during this war greatly endeared him to the army 
such was his popularity that in 1619 on the bohemian revolution breaking out he was offered by the insurgents the command of their army although a catholic but he steadily refused the offer and warmly espoused the imperial cause upon which the bohemians confiscated his estates he however soon retrieved his fortunes by a second rich marriage and the favor of the emperor the bohemians under their heroic leaders the counts von mansfeld and thurn ventured to march upon vienna and threatened ferdinand his capital but wallenstein on june tenth sixteen nineteen gained a signal victory over their army and saved his master's throne in the following year the bohemians and hungarians formally renounced their allegiance the former setting up frederick elector count palatine of the rhine as their king and the latter bethlehem gabor prince of transylvania frederick who was the son-in-law of james i of england was as unfit to govern as his father-in-law and spent his time in a frivolous parade of his rank he obtained but doubtful support from the protestant princes in germany who were jealous of his popularity ferdinand assisted by spain and other catholic powers sent a large force into bohemia under the command of maximilian duke of bavaria and totally routed frederick's army at prague the king fleeing to breslau and thence to holland the palatinate was then declared forfeited to the empire and was devastated by the spanish commander spinola wallenstein during this campaign spent his treasures in the imperial cause with the utmost readiness and liberality and obtained as a reward the lordship of friedland which brought him a large revenue to this he added by the purchase of several forfeited estates in bohemia and thus became possessed of immense wealth in sixteen twenty one to twenty three he distinguished himself by defeating bethlehem gabor the new king of hungary and forcing him to surrender his claim to the crown for this service wallenstein was created duke of friedland a cruel persecution of the protestants in bohemia and silesia dishonored the emperor's success and the attempt of his officers in austria to suppress lutheranism by force produced a revolution in sixteen twenty five it was put down by the energy of tilly and pappenheim two of the greatest generals of their day the count von mansfeld gallantly upheld the protestant cause in westphalia and other parts of germany but was defeated by tilly who imposed catholicism upon all the revolted provinces in their despair the german protestants applied for aid to their northern brethren gustavus adolphus the young and brave king of sweden an ardent champion of the reformed faith and christian king of denmark responded to their appeal the latter immediately invading the empire the imperial finances being considerably reduced by the war ferdinand was glad to avail himself of an offer made at this crisis by wallenstein to levy an army at his own cost this offer was abundantly fulfilled in a few months an army of thirty thousand men was collected as if by magic wallenstein was enviously suspected of being in league with the devil but the secret of his sway was the fascination of his bold and generous nature he maintained at once thorough toleration and strict discipline in his ranks these results however were not attained without injustice contributions were levied on the most fertile districts as yet undesolated by war to the extent it is said of sixty million dollars in seven years 
his popularity with the army procured him the jealousy of tilly who in the campaign of sixteen twenty five twenty six outrivalled him by successfully combating the invasion of christian and his danish forces and driving them beyond the elbe wallenstein nevertheless in the following campaign won his laurels both as a statesman and a general by his intrigues and conquests displaying the greatest ardor in the cause of the empire he attempted to render it an absolute despotism after routing count mansfeld on the elbe he marched into hungary and defeated the united armies of the count and bethlehem gabor christian of denmark having assembled a new army in sixteen twenty eight wallenstein marched to meet it and by a series of brilliant successes recaptured all the towns garrisoned by the danes and forced the king to sue for peace at the congress of lubeck in may sixteen twenty nine this was accorded on favorable terms to denmark wallenstein during these campaigns astonished his compeers and excited their envy by the wondrous rapidity of his movements and the skill with which he surmounted difficulties that seemed insuperable he was rewarded with the duchy of mecklenburg which was forfeited to the empire by the treason of its former owner the envious schemes of tilly and maximilian duke of bavaria induced ferdinand to remove wallenstein from his rank of commander in sixteen thirty he had hardly withdrawn to his bohemian estates when gustavus adolphus who had been hitherto prevented from affording active assistance to the protestant party landed in pomerania with a small but highly disciplined army this illustrious monarch eminent for virtue and piety no less than for political wisdom and military skill was now the sole hope of the reformation in germany the princes who professed its tenets were lukewarm and unready divided by jealousies among themselves and careless of all but their own worldly interests he on the contrary was devoted to the cause of his faith and his solemn disavowal of personal ambition in undertaking its championship is stamped with sincerity he soon commenced a career of conquest new brandenburg and other districts yielded to his arms and he formed an alliance with france now under the sway of cardinal richelieu which the emperor had vainly negotiated to prevent the rich city of magdeburg declared for him and was accordingly besieged by tilly the selfishness of the lutheran leaders the electors of brandenburg and saxony in not responding to the appeal of the protestants in the city led to its fall in sixteen thirty one before gustavus could reach it the most atrocious cruelties were perpetrated by the catholics at the sack no consideration of age or sex availing to prevent the massacre which lasted for two days and extended to thirty thousand of the inhabitants this monstrous crime was severely avenged by the indignant gustavus he forced the electors of brandenburg and saxony to render him assistance and with an augmented army hesitated not to give battle to tilly at leipzig and defeated him september seventh sixteen thirty one the protestants took courage and joined gustavus in great numbers he continued his victorious march defeating the enemy at merseburg capturing wurzburg then advancing on the rhine and reducing on the way frankfurt on the main mentz spires mannheim and other cities he next turned to bavaria where tilly and maximilian entrenched themselves at rain on the lech the former was killed by a cannonball during the siege in sixteen thirty two gustavus marched through augsburg 
where the citizens did him homage and besieged munich which speedily surrendered he now threatened to subdue bavaria and austria when his progress was stopped from an unexpected quarter the emperor justly mistrusting the loyalty of maximilian who was in league with france now saw himself deprived of his ablest generals and felt his power failing he turned to wallenstein as the only man who could save the empire that leader was meantime living in retirement and secretly glad of the success of gustavus he refused at first to take the command of the imperial army and only consented at last on condition of having sole and absolute authority with the right of disposing as he pleased of his conquests these humiliating terms were accepted by ferdinand and in a few months after the death of tilly wallenstein was in the field with a great and powerful army raised as before by his own exertions he drove the saxons from bohemia and thence marched to leipzig which capitulated at nuremberg where gustavus offered him battle he wisely refused and for three months the two camps remained close to each other each general trying to exhaust the patience of his adversary and relying on the destructive effects of famine and pestilence gustavus was forced to withdraw after losing twenty thousand men a yet heavier loss none the less having befallen wallenstein whose numbers were better able to bear it gustavus marched southward but soon returned to attack wallenstein who had moved northward and was pillaging the neighborhood of leipzig the two armies met at lutzen on november sixth sixteen thirty two a dense fog shrouded the movements of each side from the other and created a fearful confusion wallenstein ranged his infantry in squares having a ditch in front and flanked by his cavalry gustavus headed his men and charged the enemy across the ditch but his own infantry was borne down by the black cuirassiers of wallenstein and as he turned to attack them the thick fog concealed their approach his horse was wounded and he himself had his arm broken in moving off the field he was shot in the back and falling from his saddle was dragged in the stirrup he fell into the hands of the cuirassiers one of whom as the swedes came up to the succor of their king shot him through the head his corpse was discovered after the battle and honorably buried the death of their king caused the deepest affliction to the swedes but aroused instead of enfeebling their courage a charge of the duke of weimar one of the protestant leaders threw wallenstein's infantry and cavalry into disorder an attempt of the imperialist general pappenheim who now came up with a reserve to retrieve the battle was for a time successful but as the tide of fortune seemed turning against the swedes a reserve of their own army made a last desperate charge carried the ditch which protected wallenstein's infantry and won the day the imperialists fleeing in all directions and their great leader escaping into bohemia this defeat was the death-blow to wallenstein's fortunate career the swedes continued to carry on the war successfully under the able minister of gustavus oxenstiern and the valiant duke of weimar meantime wallenstein after some slight victories in saxony and silesia remained inactive he at the same time assumed an air of extreme pride and self-sufficiency which exasperated his enemies and gave occasion for their slanders he was accused to ferdinand of designing to seize the empire a charge which seemed the more credible on account of an offer having been made by france to assist him in obtaining the bohemian crown 
this proposition however he had firmly refused the emperor's intention of removing him from the command of the army having reached his ears he declared he would resign but was persuaded to remain by his officers who at a great banquet all with wild and perhaps drunken enthusiasm signed a promise of inviolable attachment to his person this too was interpreted by his enemies as a conspiracy against the emperor his destruction was resolved on by the duke of bavaria and others among whom an italian mercenary general named piccolomini was the most perfidious and savage a plot was formed against him by certain traitors among his own officers the names of devereux butler gordon and leslie to the shame of their nations appearing in the list on february twenty fifth sixteen thirty four an entertainment was given to the whole body of officers by gordon who commanded the castle of egger where wallenstein was residing he himself being indisposed had retired from the table to his chamber he was roused by loud cries proceeding from the mess-room where his faithful officers were being murdered by the traitors he opened the window to inquire the cause of the disturbance when devereux entered with thirty irishmen at his back the cowards shrank at the sight of their great general standing calm and stern unarmed and at their mercy but devereux a callous and brutal soldier in a moment stepped forward and cried art thou the traitor who wilt ruin the empire wallenstein did not speak but opened his arms as if to accept the blow which was aimed at his heart he was slain at the age of fifty-one his wealth was chiefly shared among his enemies though undoubtedly ambitious and intriguing wallenstein's alleged treachery to the emperor whom he kept informed of all his schemes has never been proved and by many recent historians is disbelieved he fell a victim to the jealousy of his rivals which he augmented by his own pride his fall however reflects lasting disgrace on the character of the emperor ferdinand and was justly avenged by the subsequent humiliation of the german empire End of section thirty seven